Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. I'm going to lower the gain a little bit, just a little bit. Um, this is the 64th episode of this podcast. Not that it matters, not that anyone cares. I don't care. I barely care. I hate this podcast and I hate the name of this podcast. Um, this episode, I'm going to be talking about the Oscars 2023. It happened. Um, I did not watch one second of it other than the clips that are thrust and forced upon my senses on social media, which I am still on because I am an addict. Um, I, I believe the... I have a lost episode of the podcast, episode 61 or 62, where I talked about the Oscars before it happened, and it's just it's just gone. I'd, I'm not going to put any effort into trying to figure out how to get it. I recorded it, but I mean, I don't know how to, to save it, and I don't care that much about it. So... There, there's no sort of before or after for the Oscars. This is just after. So we're going to talk about it. And we'll see where that adventure takes us. Um, What do I want to talk about? I hate my job right now. And I know, you, I know you're dying to hear about my job. I don't know. I worked... So I don't... I've talked about it before, but I went through the the darkest, darkest, deepest depression I've had in my life was right when the pandemic hit, but it had nothing to do with the pandemic. I actually feel like the pandemic kind of saved me in a weird way. I'll try to talk about this briefly, but um, I got fired from my job because my um, the VP of my company was a cunt asshole. So I got fired, and then I just kind of spiraled. I started to panic, like, no one's going to hire me ever again. I'm never going to work. I'm going to die. I'm going to end up homeless. I remember Gary Goldman, he had a document, I think his documentary, The Great Depression, where he he mentioned, like, oh, I'm going to end up homeless. And it's a weird paranoia that people get, but it happens. And I got that, and... I just went into this deep depression where I didn't work for a year. I couldn't work for a year. And it's it's hard to explain because I think the first question in response to that would be like, well, how did you survive? How did you live? And the truth is I live with, I am a grown ass adult who lives with my parents. And my wife lives with my parents and my wife is just stronger I I don't know what to say she she's been working full-time long long hours long weeks long years for a long long time she's non-stop she's like the fucking energizer bunny um except I, I couldn't think of a joke I was gonna say I was gonna say never mind Never mind, let's move on. Um, so she was working, and I was not. I couldn't work. I tried, I got an interview, I, I got I got many jobs. I got hired for many jobs, and I would quit after a few days because my anxiety and depression were so, so bad and deep. And so I didn't work, I didn't work for a year and I would literally, I would wake up and I would stare at the TV and the TV was off. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to be awake. I didn't want to be alive. I would stare at a TV that was off for hours and hours and hours laying in bed. My wife would come home from a full hour for a full night's sleep. She would sleep next to me, uh, exhausted, and I would stare at the TV. Then she would wake up and she would prepare food and we would eat. 
And then after we ate, I would get back into bed and stare at the TV. And I did that for, I want to say full year, but, you know, months and months and months. And my my wife got COVID a long, long time ago, like 2020. She called me, FaceTimed me crying because it was early on in the pandemic. And she was like, I got tested positive. Uh, I have to quarantine. So just stay stay upstairs in the room. And I was like, all right. So, so, <laughs> so she quarantined downstairs in our room. And I had what I, I mean, it's the room of requirement, basically. Because it, it was, it has the room with my drum set. And... I I brought all my video game systems up here, so it was my gaming room. Um, there was a bed in it, so it was my bedroom. Now it's my um, podcasting room, I guess. My office, my desk. Uh, so it's the room of requirement, and I I started playing games, and that that even to me at that point was a miracle. Because I didn't want to do anything. But that was when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out. Final Fantasy VII Remake came out and got delivered to my door. And I didn't play it for like a few weeks. Like that's how bad... That's how bad the depression was. And I know that sounds silly, but... For for a Final Fantasy VII Remake game to come and me not to open it up and play it immediately is crazy to me. But I started watching people on Twitch, which in retrospect was probably a mistake, but I I started, I just, it kind of awakened me from my depression. I enjoyed playing games again. I would play games almost every waking moment, and I, it sounds dumb, but I found a reason to live I found a reason to be motivated. I look. I had something to look forward to, and I know people who are really, really suicidal are like, "What are you? What the fuck are you talking about? A, a video game is a reason to live." And I'm like, "Yeah, to go from staring at a a, a blank TV for twenty hours at a time to wanting to play a video game, I I would say that's tremendous progress, and it shook me out of it." Because I ended up, um, I started making YouTube videos, which eventually became a tremendous failure. But at the time, it gave me something to be motivated for. And then the reason I went back to work is because they were like, Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade will only be on PS5. And I was like, I can't ask my wife to buy me a PS5. So I decided to go back to work. Anyway, I'm talking about this long enough. Fla- fash- f- flash forward? Fast forward. Oh my god. Fast forward. So I decided to work at Amazon, which I had worked at before. And I started off with four shifts. Four four-hour shifts. 16 hours, which can flex up to 20 hours, but that's besides the point. Four four shifts, 16 hours. And then I was like, well, I can change my schedule eventually over months and months and months. Maybe I'll try five shifts. And then months and months and months pass. Maybe I'll try six shifts. And I was working out. I was working three days, six shifts, four days off a week. And I did that for a long time. And I remember thinking, here comes my dogs. Back from the dogs. Um, God, what the fuck was I talking about? So, I was working three days. And then I was like, you know, I I should just go full time. It's just another day. I'll work four days a week, have three days off. I should do it. So I did do it. And now it's 
It's fucking miserable. I, there's no other way to say it. And I don't know. I, I know this is, you know, my therapist long ago because my therapist has long since given up on me. Long ago, he was like, well, you got to eat to live. It's like the Aladdin quote. Got to steal to eat. Got to eat to live. Got to eat to live. Got to steal to eat. My therapist was like, you got to eat to live and you got to work to buy food. So you have to work. And I get it, but I don't know. So many, I think a lot of people go through this. Like, <clears throat> if you hate your job, if your job is so miserable and it makes you, it d d deprives you of your will to live, is it worth it? And one argument is like, it doesn't matter if it's worth it. You have to work to live. Otherwise, you'll be homeless. And there are homeless pe people out there who are free from the pressures of a job, of a supervisor, of a work schedule. But, you know, they're beggars on the streets. And that's that might be their choice. It might not be. But you you got to wonder how bad it is or how bad it's gotten when <clears throat> you start to think oh the homeless people have got it good you know cuz they don't have to work that's probably a silly thing to say but i'm just you know vomiting my thoughts that's that's what this podcast is all about which is why it's terrible anyway fast forward to now I now have two days off a week, and they are not consecutive. Saturday's off, and Monday's off, and then two of my work days, I only work one shift, but on my days off, I have classes, so I don't really have a day off to just chill, and, you know, maybe most people don't, I don't know. Maybe I should stop complaining. Complaining is not a strategy. Alright? That being said, Amazon, it sucks. You know? And let me give you an example. I have a coworker who is a hard worker, a good worker. Eventually, he was working as a POC, which is a point of contact. And you're basically doing the work of a process assistant, but you don't have the title and you don't get the pay. You're kind of just, you're just doing the work of it, but you're, you know, you don't get any of the pleasure tease. That's not a fucking word. And he's a, he seems, he's a good worker. He always shows up. He's all, he's a hard worker. And then they, they eventually promoted him to PA, process assistant. So he has the title, he has the bump in pay. Well deserved, right? But then he said, he tells them like, all right, well, I'm still in school. I want to be a teacher. It's my last semester. Uh, can I change my schedule? Like he's trying to, and they're like, no, they're like, fuck no. So all the managers, all the higher-ups, they're just like, no, you're a process assistant now, you're in, you're committed, so we're not going to accommodate you, you have to accommodate us. So they're bas basically forcing him to work the th like 3 a.m. shift, but he he told me he has to show up at 1.30 because that's the PA, I, I don't know, to get all of his hours in and stay full-time. He, he has to come in at 1.30 and do the early, early shift, and then he has to do student teaching and finish out his last semester. So it's like, after a while, and I, and I realized that this is probably most jobs, most industries, after a while, it feels like you're being punished for being good at your job, for being a good worker, for being a hard worker. You're being punished. And 
at this point, it feels like I have to or I should externally, physically, evidently show that I don't care about this job so they don't punish me for being a good worker. You know, they're they're trying to force POC on me. I didn't ask to, to do it at all. And they're, you know, they they do this up-speak kind of technique where it's like, well, you know, you you could, uh, you'll get more responsibility, do something different, you know, you know, the sales pitch. Yeah, I'd be doing something different, but I'd have more responsibility, no title and no pay. And I'm not interested in moving up in this company at all. So it feels like I have to just externally show them, oh, I don't, I'm apathetic about this job. I don't care about this job. Otherwise, if you're too good at your job, you'll stand out. They'll know your name. I hate that all the managers know my name. You know, I liked it better when I was an anonymous peon. And I know that's contradictory to how most people feel. But, uh, like, I, I don't want to have the reputation that I get shit done at this job because they're going to thrust more shit at me. They're going to expect more and they're going to get disappointed when I don't I'm not perfect at the job just like my coworker. he's like well I'm trying to get my last semester done and they're like fuck you fuck off and do you think Jeff Bezos gives a shit about what happens at the managerial level at one of his dinky warehouses no and he shouldn't care if I was Jeff Bezos, I fucking wouldn't. If they told me you have to care about the man at the the warehouses, I'd be like, "Fuck you! I'm Jeff Bezos." Um, it's just it's a shit show. So now, like, I don't know. I they offer VTO at work, which is voluntary time off. It means if you claim it, you don't have to show up for your shift. You don't get penalized. You don't get paid. It's just. They take you off the schedule. And I love it. I'm addicted to VTO. I love it. You take a voluntary pay cut on your next paycheck, but at what at what point do you have to weigh like you know, this hit against my mental health is not worth the 40, 50 bucks or whatever, you know? And I, I understand everyone has to work to live. I get that. But what if working makes you not want to live? I'm at the 18-minute mark. I should move on. Um, I've been... My dog is whining like a biatch. Oh, jeez, I burped weird. I, I've been continuing to watch New Amsterdam with my wife and... Oh my, another weird burp. I I will say it's it's kind of losing its allure for me. You know, the show was never great, but it became sort of a weird guilty pleasure for my wife and I and you know, we we try to binge it, but our schedules are you know, so different. I like the characters, I like the performances, but it's it's so heavy-handed in its dealing with the issues of the day. Like, for example, I'll just talk about recent episodes I've seen. There was, like, Dr. Frome, played by Tyler Labine. He has a um, a food... What's the word? Oh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word. God damn it. Um... A food problem, eating disorder, where, you know, his his dad made fun of him for being fat, and that carries over into his adulthood. He thinks he looks fat. He thinks he's unattractive. He had, he had a drawer full of snacks, and so he's talking to a patient, and she's like, I want... Whatever gastric bypass surgery, and he he was like 
imposing his own problems on his patient. And I don't know. I, I feel like they are so heavy handed that it it detracts from making a good story, a good show, good characters. They're like, no, we got to talk about um, black people and Black Lives Matter this week. Uh, we have to talk about someone saying, go back to China because of COVID this week. Uh, and one where this uh, Native American older lady was like, I, I don't want to be treated here because the name of the hospital is New Amsterdam. And after a while, it just gets tiresome. It's kind of exhausting. It's like, can we just have well-shaped characters and and a good story? We, we don't have to handle every problem of the world today in every episode. It just... It seems like they're ticking off the boxes one after one. Da, 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 da. And then Max is like, we have to change the name of the hospital. It like gets ridiculous. It gets cumbersome, tiresome. I'm still in... I don't even know if I'm still enjoying it. But we're on season three. So I think there's only two more seasons after this. So, you know, we're we're in it. I don't... My wife's still enjoying it. I don't know what happened to Dr. Kapoor. Spoiler alert. Dr. Kapoor in the show got COVID and he had pretty bad um, heart issues because of COVID. And then all of a sudden he quit. And he's like, some doctor said he'll never work again. So he quit. So he's been out of the show for a few episodes. I don't know if he's going to come back. I don't. Well, I don't know. Um, Dr. Reynolds left for San Francisco and then all of us, he wasn't even gone one episode and he's already back, uh, broke up with Evie. Um, Dr. Bloom is hot as fuck and she is, um, taking in this Indian homeless woman who's, you know, was a doctor in, in Pakistan. I think she's Indian. And, you know, they, they seem to be having a lesbian relationship. Um, Dr. Sharp, you know, she's taking in her niece because her brother died, half-brother died. I don't know. I'm, I, I have a feeling the longer it goes, I'm, I'm going to tune out more and more. But I'll probably feign enjoyment for the sake of my wife. I also watched Last Cruise. Uh, I, I mentioned last episode that I went on a cruise. So I was excited to watch Last Cruise. Because it is one of my favorite documentaries. Because it's short, concise. And it's interesting. And it's just a snapshot of a group of people at a very dire time that affected the whole world. And I got to say unfortunately on the third viewing it kind it slipped a bit for me. Um I'm not sure why and then I I I got to say maybe it's because I was tired, maybe because I wasn't into it, I don't know, but also maybe because covid at, at this point is 3 years ago. And we're yeah we're we're still affected by it today, but significantly not as much. Like really, really. So maybe COVID is just not a hot topic anymore. And so watching this documentary in 2023, it's it's not that big of a deal. It's not that it doesn't have a, the same effect on me when I watched it the first time and the second time. And it was interesting to see people on this cruise because I had after having been on a cruise. And, you know, these people were. They had the goods, they had the upgraded penthouse, they had a hot tub in their room and they had had like actual actual bedrooms in their rooms as a as opposed to our state room, which was, 
you open the door and there's the bed and there's a shower to the right. So, I don't know. I still think it's a good documentary and, you know, they used a lot of footage with cell phone footage by actual passengers, which is cool. And it was directed by Hannah Olsen. And, like, this is a, a good example of a documentary that's really well put together it's short uh, as i said but it's like 40 minutes and you're in and out and there's not a lot of fluff as opposed to that um eruption at lake minnetonka or whatever that fakari that documentary pissed me off because it was so bad and just I don't I don't know. You don't This documentary is just really well put together. Oh, I said Min I think I said Minnetonka because Hannah Olsen was born in Minnetonka, Minnesota. As I'm reading on Wikipedia. And that Fakari documentary was just they're putting in weird reenactments slash enhanced stock footage slash black screens it was it was bad so it felt like it was made by a young amateurish documentary filmmaker who didn't care or didn't know what they were doing as opposed to um the last cruise which was made by someone who knew what she was doing and really put a lot of effort into making it concise and cut and edited and it just fit together really well and it was done with mostly cell phone footage that's why i liked it so much and it's it just slipped uh, like i said i think it's because covid's not a hot topic anymore and it's kind of like eh. i mean this it, it affected me more when i watched it the first and second and i already said that also <laughs> Um, let's move on to the Oscars, shall we? Uh, Hannah also Hannah Olsen also made Baby God, which I've heard of, but I haven't seen it. Maybe I'll check that out. I think my brother said he saw it and didn't like it. But um, the ninety fifth Academy Awards. Let's get to it. 28 minute mark. Uh, let's go. That that was my Encanto. Um, Mirabel impression. Let's go. Um, the nominations were announced by actors Riz Ahmed and Alison Williams. Um, best picture. Let's go through the nominees. Women Talking, haven't seen it. Triangle of Sadness, haven't seen it. I am interested. Top Gun Maverick, which was my vote. It's probably not best picture material, but I love that movie. I've seen it once in the theater, and I loved it. Tar, which I haven't seen. <laughs> the Fablemans, which I haven't seen. Elvis, which I have not seen. The Banshees of Inisherin, which I did see. I don't know if it deserves a Best Picture nomination. I might watch it again. I liked it. Avatar The Way of Water. I don't... I don't know if that deserves a Best Picture. I liked it fine. Um, did Let's see if Avatar... Did it win... Uh, let's see if it was nominated for just give me the information all right i'm recording all right i'm rec i'm recording accolades received by avatar academy awards best picture it was nominated so let me 80 second so let's look at this Best Picture for the 82nd um, 
Academy Awards. Up in the Air, Up, A Serious Man, Precious, Inglorious Bastards, An Education, District 9, The Blind Side. I thought The Blind Side won. Um, Avatar and The Hurt Locker. Just from, I would have probably voted up just just because I I like up. Um, but the Hurt Locker one beat out Avatar. Catherine Bigelow won for Best Director Hurt Locker. Um, Sandra Bullock won for Best Actress. Um, back to the ninety fifth. So, oh wait, I'm not even done. All Quiet on the Western Front haven't seen. Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I did see, and Everything Everywhere All at Once won. I just got to be honest. I, I I thought it was a weird movie. I didn't really enjoy it, and I have no interest in revisiting it. Although I might, because people have told me they liked it. Some pe- I've heard some people cried. They said you have to watch it more than once to get it. I didn't really like it. I might watch it again. I don't know. But we'll get to it. But I'm happy for them. Best Director, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Other nominees, Martin McDonough, Banshees of Vinishirin, Steven Spielberg, Fablemans, Todd Field, Tar, Ruben Ostland, Tri- Triangle of Sadness. So the Daniels won for Best Director. Best Actor, Bill Nye Living, never heard of that um, movie. Paul Mescal, After Sun, haven't seen it. I know Pat Walsh has talked about it on We'll See You in Hell. Colin Farrell, The Banshees of Inishirin, Austin Butler, Elvis, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, who won. I didn't see The Whale. I don't have much interest. Um, I would have voted Colin Farrell because that's the only movie on this list that I saw. I'm a little surprised that Austin Butler didn't win. Um... Pat Walsh talked about the whale, and he did not like it. He said it was bad. Uh, I don't. I'm not really interested in watching it. Best actress: Michelle Williams, The Fablemans. Let's see if Michelle Williams has ever won. Um, just give me the fucking accolades link. Jesus Christ! List of awards. Um. Oh, she's never won. Wait, no, that's not right. Academy Awards, she's never won. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, Brokeback Mountain, Best Actress, Blue Valentine, My Week with Marilyn, Best Supporting Actress, Manchester by the Sea, which she should have won, Best Actress, The Fablemans. Um, my dog's barking again. One moment. Let's see if I can get to um, 89th Academy Awards. Casey Affleck won for Manchester by the Sea, which I fully, wholeheartedly agree with. Um, Best Supporting Actress, Viola Davis won for Fences, which I've never seen. Michelle Williams lost for Manchester by the Sea. Unfortunate. Um, La La Land. Haven't seen La La Land. So Michelle Williams has never won an Academy Award. Um, unfortunate. I I remember her as Jen from Dawson's Creek. Where were we? So Michelle Yeoh won for. Everything, everywhere, all at once. We'll get to it. Best Supporting Actor. Barry Kyo, Kyo for Banshees of Inisherin, Judd Hirsch for The Fablemans. Didn't see it. Brian, Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway. 
Brian Tyree Henry bugs me. I've said it before. I don't know why Americans have to put on an accent. I know that it's an acting challenge and an acting exercise. And I know it's acting. But there are are fucking British actors out there. And yet, it doesn't bother me when Benedict Cumberbatch puts on an American accent for the dogs of Applebee's, um, War Dogs, uh, Power of the Dog, or Doctor Strange. I don't know why. It has something to do with American is my accent. And it feels like Benedict Cumberbatch is taking away his accent, which is not true. He's not taking away his British accent. He's putting on an American accent. It's the same exact thing that Brian Brian Tyree Henry is doing. But I don't know why it bugs me so much. I don't know why. Uh, there's this video of the Harry Potter actor's saying things in an American accent, and I found it charming as fuck. Charming as fuck. And I remember Hermione was saying, Olive Garden, and I just found it very charming. I don't know why, but Brian Tyree Henry putting on a British accent on Bullet Train, which I still haven't finished, it bugged the fuck out of me. You click on his name, it says he is an American actor. He was born in North Carolina. And he's talking opposite Kickass. What do you mean lime? What do you mean lemon? What do you what are you talking about? And I'm like, come on. And then that other girl, I forget her name, she's putting on, on a British accent too. Joey King. I I I'm going to kill your child so you can't do anything to me. I was like, come on. Moving on, Brendan Gleeson, Banshees of Inishirin, Kehui Kwan for Everything Everywhere All At Once, who won. I would have voted. Why? Why would they vote? Why would they put Brendan Gleeson as best supporting? But Colin Farrell was best actor. I'd probably vote Barry Keough because he was amazing in that movie in a few short scenes. Best Supporting Actress. Stephanie Hsu, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Carrie Condon, Banshees of Inishirin. Hong Chow, The Whale. Angela Bassett, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Let's see Angela Bassett. She's 64, which is shocking to me because I I, I saw photos of her recently and she's hot as fuck. Um, So let's look at her accolades. Um, List of awards. She was... Nominated for Best Actress in What's Love Got to Do With It? Never seen it. Nominated for Best Supporting Actress for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Nominated. She did not win. Um, So she has never won an Academy Award. She won the Golden Globe for Best Actress for What's Love Got to Do With It? And she won Best Supporting Actress Golden Globe for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Splinteresting. 64. Would I have sex with a 64-year-old? I think I would. I kind of lost myself there. Um, Jamie Lee... (sighs) Okay, I'll just say it now. So Jamie Lee Curtis won for Everything Everywhere All at Once. No, I, I, oh my god, I already forgot. I was going to say I didn't like the movie, but I already said that earlier. 
maybe I'll watch it again. I th- I th- I think someone accidentally purchased it on my Prime Video account, which is not currently downloaded on my phone. Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't know. I don't even know if she deserves being nominated. Um, let's look at her accolades. Um, so the only, oh man, the only Academy Award she has been nominated for was Everything Everywhere All at Once, Best Supporting Actress, and she won, according to Wikipedia. She won a BAFTA Award for Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Trading Places. She was nominated for Best Actress in A Fish Called Wanda and nominated for BAFTA for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, so the only so the only Academy Award she was nominated for, she won. Here comes my dog singing a damn song again. And we're back. Um... I'm going to take this moment to talk about Gardettos. I like Gardettos. And for whatever reason, my parents, when they go to Costco, they buy this thing called Oots Pub Mix, a savory blend of crunchy snacks, which is a poor man's Gardettos, in my opinion. It's not really good. It's just something to munch on. I'm sure it's bad for you. It's, you know, fried or deep fried or however processed. Um, Seven pounds of salt per snack. And, um, yeah, they, they get these jarfuls every time. And no one else eats it except me. And I wonder why I'm in such poor health. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis won for Best Supporting Actress. Best Original Screenplay. Triangle of Sadness, Tar, The Fableman's Banshees of Inisherin, And the winner, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Best Adapted Screenplay. Top Gun Maverick would have been my vote. Living. Um, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, haven't seen it. All Quiet on the Western Front, haven't seen it. Woman Talking, haven't seen it. And the winner, Women Talking, Sarah Pauly. Best... (laughs) I kind of just got shocked. Best Animated Feature Film. Turning Red did not win. I saw it. I thought it was fine. I thought it was more geared towards kids, um, which is fine. But I feel like Pixar is usually good at making movies enjoyable for adults and children. And that one was just straight up children, which I don't know. The Sea Beast, haven't seen it. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, haven't seen it. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Haven't seen it. Um, Pat Walsh hated it. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. One. Which I'm kind of surprised by. I'm... I don't know where it's playing. Is it playing on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Um, I am interested in watching that. I should check that out. Best International Film, The Quiet Girl, EO, um, which is a documentary on Captain EO, Close, Argentina, 1985, and the winner, All Quiet on the Western Front. Haven't seen any of those, haven't heard most of those. Best Documentary Feature, House Made of Splinters, Fire of Love, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, All That Breathes, and the winner, Navel Knee. Um, I don't even know. 
Is that a word? I don't know what that's about. Um, revolves around Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny. I guess it's a name. All the beauty and the bloodshed sounds cool. Um, documentary film which explores the career of Nan Golden and the fall of the Sackler family. The film is produced, co-edited by Laura Poitras. I'm already bored. Um, I haven't heard of any of those documentaries. Best documentary short subject, The Elephant Whisperers 1. Haul Out, How Do You Measure a Year, The March, Martha Mitchell Effect, Stranger at the Gate. Um, the Last Cruise should have been nominated or should have won for its year. I'm pretty sure it was not nominated. Um, no mention on the Wikipedia page. All right, now we're getting into best live action for short film, Irish Goodbye. Best animated short. Oh, okay, we don't have to go through all this. Best original score, All Quiet on the Western Front, Volker Bertelmann. Best original song, Naatu Naatu from RRR. I haven't seen it. Um, best sound, Top Gun Maverick. Congratulations. All right, I think we're done here. I think we're done here. The films with the multiple nominations, Everything Everywhere, all. E-E-A-I-A-O, 11. All Quiet on the Western Front and the Banshees of Inisherin have 9. Elvis, 8 nominations. The Fableman, 7. Tar, 6. Along with Top Gun Maverick. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, 5. Avatar, The Way of Water, 4. Babylon, The Batman, Triangle of Sadness, The Whale, all have 3. Living and Women Talking, 2 nominations. Films with multiple wins, Everything Everywhere All at Once, 7, All Quiet on the Western Front, 4, The Whale, 2, um, like I said, I did not watch the Oscars this year, I don't think I ever have, ever, um, and... You know, I I already saw a, a, a social media post. Some I don't remember exactly, but something to the effect of, "Sure, we haven't solved anti-Asian racism with the fact that Michelle Yeoh was the first Asian woman to win Best Actress at the Academy Awards." But maybe the little Chinese boy won't feel ashamed for bringing his cultural meal to school. Representation matters. I don't know what that means. What, <laughs> what does Michelle Yeoh winning Best Actress have anything to do with a little Chinese boy bringing... Uh, Chinese food to school. If people, if kids are bullying Chinese kids, that's a school problem. You need to fuck up those kids who are bullies. You need to punch them in the mouth. And, you know, I, I'm joking. And, I, you know, I get it. I get it that it's important that Michelle Yeoh won. That Kehio Kwan won. That everything, everywhere, all at once won. But come on, they're they're trying to make something out of fucking nothing. They're trying to tie strands together that are not there, that don't exist. Representations matter. Like, who the fuck votes for the Academy Awards? Isn't it all old white people? Like, maybe that's the problem. I I got an email from. Columbia House, Oscar snub alert, the woman king, I haven't seen it, no interest, 
I, I don't know. It's just, what's wrong with people? Like, and you know, I've seen the clips of Michelle Yeoh saying, "Well, a ladies, don't let anyone tell you that your time is up or that you're past your prime. Just keep going, keep dreaming. That's important, of course, of course, of course." And is it cool and amazing that Asians won Best Actress and Best Supporting Actor? Yes, of course, of course. I'm still not. I'm still not gonna lie and say I like the movie. I will try to try it again. I don't think anyone's doing anyone any favors by pretending to like the movie, so I'm not gonna do it. I don't subscribe to that. Um, it was a weird movie. Hot dog fingers, like what the fuck? I'll try it again. I said it already, but I'm gonna try to stay off the show social media, as I say every week, because um, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's all I have. I'm only at fifty-one minutes. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of yourselves. I understand that physical health is important, but mental health to me is a lot more important. Um, it's the reason why I would rather work at Amazon and, and destroy my body than work in my office and risk committing suicide. But as I said at the beginning of this episode, I, I hate Amazon as well. I got to figure a way out. I'm working on it. I hope you figure your way out. I feel like if you are at a dead-end job, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how entrenched you feel in the job. And you feel like, well, yeah, I have a family. I have kids to, I have kids to feed. I, I have a spouse that depends on me yeah that's true and you have to continue to do that unless you until you find something else and figure something else out but i hope if you feel that way that you are slowly slowly doesn't matter how slow you go just take one step at a time and try to figure something out and i realize i'm doing the same thing that I hate on social media, which is give people advice, because when people give people advice on social media, it's advice that they themselves want to hear, which is exactly what I'm doing. I'm giving advice right now that I want to hear, which I guess is not a bad thing, but it can be annoying. But, you know, you are your worst enemy, so I'm doing exactly what I hate to see on social media. I'm a hippogriff. I'm a hippogriff. Um, take care of yourselves. I hope your pets are doing well and thriving. I have my brother's dog currently in the household. His name is Ace. He's a cute little bugger. So right now I have five pets in the house. Lili Lala, two female cats. Kai and Kelly, the two female dogs, and now Ace, the male dog. And they're being they're they're having a huge interspecial orgy right now. Um Pussy and Bitches, you know what I mean? Alright, I think that's my signal. Thank you for listening and say hi to your pets for me.